HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. On behalf of our family of hosts, staff, and the millions of listeners who have tuned in since 2009, we want to wish you happy holidays and ask for your support as we launch our daily in-house news coverage. Please consider making us a part of your end-of-year giving in 2013. Your membership donation is tax-deductible and the best way to show you believe in our work and the importance of a free, food-focused media resource. Consider donating today at heritageradionetwork.org by clicking the Donate button. Thanks for your support, and enjoy the show. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Heritage Radio Network. We are coming to you, as always, live from the back of Roberta's Pizza. A pretty chilly day here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You've tuned into the Farm Report, and I'm your host, Erin Fairbanks. And today we are on the line with an exciting young farmer, Hannah Beal. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Hi. Thank you. Good to have you on. So, um... I'm assuming it's pretty cold where uh, uh, where you are as well. You're just north of us a bit, aren't you? Yeah, uh, I'm in Tivoli, New York, which is um, near Red Hook in upstate New York, not Red Hook, Brooklyn. Um, and it's freezing. <laughs> um, it's pretty cold. I'm excited to be inside doing this interview well, instead gl- of glad walking to, around outside. <laughs> glad to give you an excuse to come in out of the cold, at least for a little bit. Now, you are the first farmer up at the Hermans Farm, is that correct? It is. Well, I'm not the first farmer. I'm not technically the first farmer but I am on this land, but I am the first person to be here at this land as Hermans Farm. Excellent. So um, I want to um, I want to start by getting a little bit of better picture of, of the farm and where you're at, and then we'll tuck it into a little bit of, of your background. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the land. Sure. We are um, we're in a pretty rural area, um, which is we're near Bard College in Tivoli, um, and so we're about three miles away from a village, but the land itself, we have about um, over 100 acres of property on our farm. Um, and of that land, we, this past season, had 
um, just over three acres in production, and we're hoping to expand more um, in the coming season. And how long have you been on the farm? Um, I have been here since March, so almost not quite a year, I guess nine months. Nine months, awesome. So what type of production are you guys doing up there? Um, well, right now we've, we, right now the only thing that we're really producing is, um, eggs because we have 200 laying hens, but, um, and they've obviously slowed down a little bit because it's getting colder. Um, but we were doing just mixed veggies and, um, and we also had five pigs and we have some bees. Nice. So, well, let's, uh, rewind back to March. I mean, how did you, uh, how did you end up? on the farm to begin with? Um, I, there's a really great website if you're into food called Good Food Jobs, uh, which I'm sure you know about. And, um, and I applied to be the farm manager here and I thankfully the position. Um, and, and so I moved up here and, and I basically was just, you know, I walked around and then the next day I started, I just started planning, and um, the, so, the rest you know, is history, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, can you tell us? You know, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, the the land had had been in farming for quite some time. Was it also in vegetable production prior to your arrival, or was it um, some other type of farm? Um, the land had been so the land, I guess, a long time ago. When, you know, in like the 1700s on our property, we have a, one of the oldest houses in the village. Um, and when that house was built, it was built by this Dutchman named Colonel Hermans. Um, I'm not sure if that's how he pronounced it. But, um, and he came here and he, I believe that he had some sort of farming operation going here. And then it transitioned owners and was a dairy farm. And then, um, and then there also was haying here, and um, I believe there were some vegetables. But it wasn't I don't it wasn't like a primarily vegetable situation here. I think until I came along. Okay, and so um, how long had it been? I mean, you said that you were the first. You know, you're you're the first person kind of running the farm under its its current title. Was it? Um, was it not being farmed for a couple of years before you got there? I mean, did you come into a pretty like a pretty fresh pallet, or was there kind of a transition from the the previous farmers? Um, the previous the previous people to like really farm here was actually um, Hardy Roots, who are sort of just up the road from us. Hardy Roots Farm used to lease this land, so so there were so some of the fields that we are on work in vegetable production like somewhat recently but um what we were doing is pretty much starting with a fresh sort of fresh palette and plowing some land that hadn't been used before and seeing what happened pretty much Um, so i'm curious like how one how one starts with a fresh palette to even begin um to know kind of what to do but before we talk into the specifics of what you've been doing for the last couple of months Uh, Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got into farming and and the background that prepared you for this position. Sure. Um, I started farming 
um, one summer when I was 16, and I lived in um, I lived in Washington D.C. in high school, and um, my mom told me that I couldn't just you know hang out on the couch for another another summer, and I don't really know why anybody would decide to spend their summer working on a farm when they're 16, but I um, but I decided to volunteer on an organic farm, and I um, found a farm after writing to many different farmers, because if you're a 16-year-old girl from the city and you, and you write to a farm in Vermont and say, hey, I really want to come help you guys out, like, that is, that sort of almost sounds like you're going to be more of a burden than a help. So it was sort of hard for me to find someone um, who was willing to, to like, take me in, I guess. But um, I ended up working for a month on a farm in Cabot, Vermont, which is, I don't think, any no longer, they're no longer in production. Um, and then I pretty much fell in love with it. Um, and in college, I went to the University of Vermont, and I did environmental studies there. And um, sort of as I was learning more about, you know, all the very, all these food issues and also, you know, issues with, you know, our environment as a whole um, and global stuff like global warming and like all those buzzwords that you hear, all the reasons to eat local food, I was sort of like, oh, farming's actually, you know, something that fits like directly into my value system. And, um, I kept working on farms during the summers, and then when I graduated, I moved to Martha's Vineyard, where I worked as a camp counselor, farmer educator for one season, and then worked in the garden at a teaching farm there, and then was the manager of that garden. And, um, and yeah, so that's a little, I guess, a little bit about my experience. I just sort of fell into it pretty much and and I haven't really stopped. Yeah, so um you know when you arrived up at the farm this past March, um you know you had a variety of different sounds like you know you had worked in a couple of different farms, you had done some teaching, you had been a trainee. Um but this was really the first time you were kind of jumping into something kind of as the the, the kind of solo person in charge like really making the the decisions about what to do and when and where. So can you talk a little bit about um, things that you found um, surprising about that process? Sure. Well, it's extremely surprising. I really, you know, it's just being here for nine months and coming to a place sort of as a farmer and having that place be very new to you is is just like, it's like learning, you know, every moment is a learning moment, like every single day, every time you go outside, you, you, if you're paying attention, which hopefully I am most of the time, you can, you know, you notice certain things and the more you notice, the more you realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't have planted that, you know, squash plant in that really low spot because that's actually a really wet place or, you know, just figuring out exactly what, um, you know, what really should go where and stuff like that. It's like, you can look, I looked at a lot of maps. I, you know, I read a lot. Um, but just, just being on the property and like keeping my eyes open, I think has been the most helpful. And like, just the difference between like some, you know, just putting certain things in different places 
what I chose this year versus sort of what I'm hoping to do next year has definitely changed. But I also think you just have to go do it. You, like, you, you, I like, you just have to trust that if you're, you're paying attention, hopefully taking care of your, your plants or your animals and giving them what, you know, you know that they need as much as you can, you know, like plants are designed to grow. So it's also sort of just like, let's, let's do it and see what happens. See what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Not that I take a cavalier approach to everything, but no, but at, you know, at some point end, you have to like put some stuff in the ground and see what happens. Yeah. So like some, like, for example, like creating my crop rotation was, you know, it's, it was kind of arbitrary. I was just like, I guess this will go here because I'm just, you know, cause I'm starting fresh. So in that respect, I like had a lot of freedom in my planning. Whereas, um, you know, I had a lot of freedom, but also it was maybe sometimes more difficult too, because, you know, once you're in some place that has been established, there's, you know, things to go off of. Right. So, they're really starting fresh. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, myself kind of like uh, up at a space like this. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, I see myself, you know, sitting down, kind of making lists, you know, drawing little charts out and kind of checking things off and, you know, coming up with a plan. And then kind of the next step is looking at like, what are the things you need to bring in to kind of implement the plan that you've made? So uh, my guess would be that, you know, you need to secure kind of the seeds or, or the seedlings and the equipment and kind of all the gear that you're going to need to turn like what you have kind of on your piece of paper, your computer, your, you know, the back of your napkin into, into reality. So what did some of that initial kind of equipment purchasing, actual kind of seed or plant purchasing look like? And, and how did you know where to go for those resources? Well, we're really, I was really lucky because we, do have a tractor here, um, which was already on the property. Um, so that was huge. So my, all of my, and, um, so all of my like big equipment was here. We have a, we have a chisel plow, um, a rototiller, stuff like that. Um, we did have to buy some drip irrigation and, um, and, you know, just, I just go online. If I don't know anything, I just, you know, just Google it pretty much. Um, and then I, for seeds, I ordered seeds from Johnny's and, um, high mowing and Fedco and, um, just basically, you know, put together, I just made a crop plan, put together my seed order and, and, and got the stuff as soon as possible. And the other thing is, is that the biggest resource that I had was, was people. So one of, after sort of, you know, my first initial month of planning is when I sort of tried to start assembling a, a team to like help me get stuff done. And they were obviously a huge resource. Yeah, for sure. So the, the places that you ordered the seeds and whatnot from, those are folks that you had kind of worked with in past positions or? Yeah, they were. Um, they were. I think that, you know, Johnny's is awesome. They have, not only do they have a really, like, great selection, but they also have a really great website that has a ton of resources. So I had been going, you know, I've been looking at the Johnny's website ever since I started gardening just because they have so much information there. So um, they were 
resource. And then also the Fedco seed catalog, which is actually right here on my coffee table, um, is also really wonderful. And they have just like so many good, if you just, if, if any, anyone who's interested in growing anything should just open a seed catalog and like, there's nothing, there's nothing more inspiring than opening it up and seeing how many jillions of varieties of everything there are. And then also seed catalogs all, will always tell you, oh, this is how you should prepare your potatoes before you get them and stuff like that. That sounds like a wealth of information. Well, I'm going to ask you, Hannah, to hang on for just a, just a smidge. We're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your work and, and have you take us through the rest of the season. So hang tight. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, and we'll be right back. You are listening to Intrigue by Obesity on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. We are coming back. You are tuned in to the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Erin Fairbanks, and you're listening to The Farm Report. We are on the line with Hannah Beal of Hermann's Farm, and we have been chatting a little bit about Hannah's first season on the farm. So, Hannah, after you kind of got things going, uh, you said you assembled a couple people to uh, help turn the you know paper plan into reality. Tell us a little bit about your team. Um. I had a really great team. Um, there were, we were mostly, mostly of young people. Um, some people, three of them had either just graduated college or one of the guys who worked with me um, was taking some time off of being in college. And then um, I had another person who's now, who's still here, which is awesome. Um, my basically like helps me with everything. My assistant manager, John, who's um a little bit older, so he's not like fresh out of college and had some more farm experience. Um, but you know, figuring out who you want to work with is like a really fun process, and it was really exciting to like see you know just to be able to talk to people who like to talk to 
so many there's so many people who are interested in farming, even if it's just because they've been you know studying it in school or they are like interested in having their own homestead someday or they're just doing it to learn a little bit more about like soil science. There are all sorts of reasons why people get into it, and it was really fun to to like learn from them and also probably one of the most rewarding things this summer for me was just like being able to to teach people you know just basic stuff like you know like how to set up irrigation or or like this is what this plant looks like when it's a baby um and things like that are always really fun to like be able to work with people who don't have as much experience as you and who are just like really psyched you know about what's happening and um and just like take their optimism and help it like have it help you you know get through like a long day of weeding or whatever yeah no that makes a lot of sense well one of the things we haven't really talked about that um so i know that you found this position through good food jobs which leads me to believe that the kind of uh Financial backing is coming from a different source. You know, this is you're an employee of the farm. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that relationship and, and uh, how that has been kind of an asset for you in this first season. Um, well, the owners are really wonderful people, and they are based in New York City. So um, they're really part of the mission of this place is to, you know, bring fresh like awesome local we're not certified organic but we do use organic standards and um just bring all of that into the city um and so it's been really they've been like an amazing resource um they're pretty dedicated to young farmers and also you know keeping this land active and productive in the best way possible so it's been um i'm i'm pretty lucky you know other a lot of farms other farmers who, you know, are doing it on their own are, you know, it's it's definitely a different, it's a little bit of a different ballgame. You can, you know, you there's sometimes you can make, you know, all of the decisions yourself and maybe that might, it might be sometimes like an easier thing to do because it, you know, you can make a decision super quickly and then just do it. But it's really a huge asset, I think, for this place as a, as land and then also for like all the people who work here. So what is the, what is the end market for the, the stuff that you've been producing on the farm, the vegetables, the eggs, and then, um, the, that sounds like you guys probably had a little pork or, or maybe not quite yet. Yeah, we did. We did have some pork, but not, not anymore. <laughs> um, all of, all of our, all of our, everything that we produce gets, um, sent to New York city and is, given to, well, not given, but is sold to restaurants. Um, and so, so yeah, so one of the things that was definitely a learning curve this year was also, you know, working with chefs and then figuring out, you know, talking to them about what they, what they really want. Um, and then, and then once you find out if a chef is like really passionate about one variety of something, then sometimes you have to say, okay, well, I'll, you know, file that away for next year, and then other times, depending on what it is, you can say, oh, well, I can throw those seeds in the ground, and, you know, I can throw some microgreen flats, you know, together, and, and then they could get something like microgreens pretty soon, because that has a really high turnover rate. Um, yeah, so, but most of our stuff does go to New York City. 
So you have a little bit of like uh, flexi- flexibility with the with the different different products. I guess it sounds like offer different amounts of flexibility. So maybe you can talk a little bit about you know more specifically about what it is you cho- chose to grow this summer, and you know what things that maybe stood out for you in some way, uh, whether they were particularly easy or challenging to work with, whether the demand for them was much greater, much smaller. Um, maybe just a little like lessons learned recap of the summer, some kind of notes that you've written to yourself as a cheat sheet when you get started next spring. Well, I definitely had no idea how popular baby vegetables were um, when I when I started, um, and there I just had just had no clue, um, and so I definitely, you know, making sure that. Next year, I'm growing more baby stuff, and then also, once you're gro- when you grow baby stuff, it get, it's obviously you harvest it smaller, so then making your succession plantings a little bit closer together, um, so you can make sure you have like a steady supply of that stuff, um, is something that I definitely learned about, and then also just like I just had no idea of how big, we really had a great um, great response from people. And it was just, it's like, you know, I just had no idea that, because I know food is so big in New York, you know, I, it's just like exciting. I just always feel like when something's super trendy that people, you know, that suddenly people are going to start, start writing off what's trendy, but they were just, you know, people are just like genuinely really excited about good food. So it's pretty fun. Nice. Um, Yeah. Why do you think that you were so well received? I mean, obviously you can take some credit as as a grower for producing kind of beautiful vegetables, but there's lots of great farmers um, who sell into the city who, you know, haven't had, you know, the uptake as quickly or the success. I mean, what do you think has given you guys an edge into that space? Is there someone on your team down here in the city or were there like relationships that existed uh, with the owners or what, what, why is it that uh, you think that it was such a smooth, um, like absorption into the city for you? Um, well, I definitely think being, having a base in New York definitely helped us. And, um, there's a, we have a great person on our team named Safi who, um, who works with chefs pretty closely and is able to, you know, really talk to them and figure out like exactly what they're looking for. Um, but I just, I mean, I just, I'm not from New York, so I don't, you know, I've been a bunch of, I have friends in New York and I've obviously been to New York many times, but, um, but I just think of New York as like this giant pool of people just like waiting for local food sort of. Um, and I just think that, you know, if your stuff looks good and chefs taste it and it's fresh and it's good, I don't, but I mean, that's also a night that's also like, I don't, I don't know why people like it. I just, (laughs) I don't know. I'm glad that they Um, do though. Glad that they do. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Well, so we are just about out of time here, but I, I'm wondering if you might have some uh, advice to other young um, folks with a, maybe a, a little bit of farming, you know, know-how under their belt, belt, or maybe not at all. Like, you know, if you were looking back in time and giving, you know, advice to yourself four years ago, what are some things that you might have have shared and that you would maybe like to send out into the ether for other folks looking to, to find a similar position to what you have now? Um, don't get jaded and, you know, don't, 
Um, I think, you know, farming is, people like to talk, it's like easy to romanticize farming when you talk about it, but like, you know, when it comes down to it, farming is, is like pretty hard work and, and, and like, I like to try to, you know, think of it as, you know, as hardcore as you can be, just, you know, get excited about how, you know, crappy your day is basically and, you know, feel like proud that you can push through it. Um, and, you know, everybody has to eat. So I feel like farming, no matter where, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, any sort of food production is extremely important. And anything in particular you're looking forward to over the winters, the winter months, uh, you know, perusing the seed catalogs, taking a vacation. I know that, uh, for vegetable producers, there's a little bit of a reprieve during the, you know, kind of end of December, January time frame. I'm just curious, like, what, what plans you might have in store? Um, well, we are just currently completing the construction of four new greenhouses. So um, I'm pretty excited to work with those. And then also the we are opening a um, store in New York on 183 Christopher. It's going to be called Hairman's Farm Purveyors. And they're going to be selling some of our produce and also some farm-to-table food there. And I'm pretty excited about that, too. So, you know, there's a lot. It's not, you know, it's a good time of year to sort of take a and reflect. And, I'm, you know, I'm excited about planning, but I'm also, you know, happy that I'm happy that I, it's cold outside and that I have time to talk to people like you. <laughs> well, we're happy, too. And, I'm, and hopefully the, the shop down here means we'll get a chance to have you uh, in the studio sometime soon. Yeah, I hope so. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. It was lovely talking to talking to you. Thank you so much, Erin. It was really fun. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of The Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. This, like all 30 of our live weekly shows, are available for free. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, or visit our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. If you believe in our work and the importance of a free food-focused media resource, definitely check us out by visiting the website, clicking that Donate tab, becoming a member today. Stay tuned. Uh, next week, we got Lori Tenek coming on to talk a little bit about growing hops here in the Northeast. Should be a great show. And we will be back then. In the meantime, keep on listening and stay tuned in. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.